Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. It is hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, mm-hmm, you definitely want to go, going to go back and hear it. Um, and you're going to want more at the end of it. And so, yes, all of you who have texted in, Anne, Carol, Jim, Mary, uh, Laura, uh, Walter, Doug, David, on and on and on, um, with your deep appreciation for, uh, for Dr. John Burchowski and your encouragement that we have him back on. Yeah, we, um, we will figure that out. We will do that. Um, in this hour, we're gonna, um, we're gonna talk with our friend, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. We're gonna continue looking at the pillars of our faith and how we, um, how we build how we build a beautiful life on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about specifically about hospitality. But I want to make a comment about one news story, um, this one out of the Church of England this morning. Reuters is reporting that the Church of England is reconsidering the use of the pronoun he in reference to God. They are considering the use of gender-neutral terms to refer to God. Um, Reuters says this, The issue reflects growing global awareness about the assumed usage of pronouns causing offense or upset to those who do not identify with the gender they are assigned at birth. Now, if you want to if you want to take a sentence that reveals the confusion, not just in our culture, but the growing confusion globally, there it is. The Church of England is reconsidering the use of the pronoun he uh, in reference to God. In response to a growing global awareness that the assumed usage of pronouns causing offense or upset to people, people, this has nothing to do with pronouns related to people. This has to do with how we refer to God. And so let's be very clear about what's going on here and let's prepare ourselves for this conversation. It's a conversation that's not new here in the United States of America. It's a conversation that's not new in mainline Christianity. It's really not a conversation that's new for the Church of England, but they're having it afresh for new reasons. So the conversation is about the nature and the person and therefore the pronouns related to the person of God. Get that person, 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 the person of God. So if you want to capitalize on this, capitalize on the fact that at least people recognize that the universe is personal, that God is, and that God is real and substantial and a person. It's been a topic of conversation and controversy since at least the 1990s when I was in seminary at Princeton. Um, Then there was this attempt to neuter the language related to God um, as a nod to feminists who wanted inclusive language. But for God to be referred to um, as anything other than God, as anything other than the way Jesus refers to God, which, by the way, is as Father with male pronouns, referring to God the Father as He. 
expressly and exclusively is for you and I to um, become the authority over the one who reveals himself in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. That's what's happening here. This is a usurping of authority. This is the individual, or in this case, one expression of the church, right, the Church of England, saying, you know what, we're going to usurp the authority of the author here, um, and we are going to force people to speak to God in ways that um, make people feel good about themselves without regard to how that honors or dishonors God. Just think about that perversion for just a moment. We're talking about the context of worship. Upon whom is worship intended to be centered? It's not us. Worship is not about us. Worship is all about God. This whole conversation reminds me of the of the development of what I consider the quite nonsensical word, a woman. Remember this, you know, the addition of a woman in, in, you know, at the end of a prayer, you know, we say amen. We say amen. It means I agree. It means we all agree with what has just been said. It means I add my voice to this. That's that's what amen means. But, you know, there are people who don't like to hear the letters M-E-N. I don't even know how they say my name because my name is Carmen, which has M-E-N in it. So I don't I don't even know how people are saying my name without being offended that it includes M-E-N because that's apparently the offense of the word amen. A-M-E-N. Because it's amen, now we have to have a woman and amen. Are you kidding me? To supplement the word amen at the conclusion of a prayer, because amen includes the three letters M-E-N, I mean, if you're taking offense at those letters in that order, then take offense at me. My name is Carmen, and I'm not changing it. So being generous toward those who are suffering with a deep confusion about their identity, I recognize is important. But it is not going to change the way that I relate to God as Father. It is not going to change the way that I relate to God as Father because that is the way that Jesus, my Lord and Savior, relates to God and teaches me to relate to God. Jesus calls God Abba, Father, and he gives me the liberty to do so as well. Jesus instructs us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, and and refer to God and draw unto God in the same way. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you want me, you get him. We are a package deal. You cannot despise the Father and love the Son any more than you can have access to the Father without the Son. And so if the subject comes up about reassigning pronouns to God, I'm going to encourage you to stand firm. Use the words of Jesus. Point to the person of Jesus. Pray as Jesus prayed. Relate to God as Jesus relates to God. Call him Father. Yes, God is spirit, but God is also a person. And his preferred pronouns are distinctly male. Honor that in your prayers and in your speech. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're going to talk with Dr. Matthew Sleeth about the next pillar of our faith. What are you building your life upon? What is the foundation? What are the pillars of your faith? We arrive today at Hospitality. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Dr. Matthew Sleeth is back with us today. We're in a conversation with him about the 10 pillars of our faith. Matthew, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. It's it's wonderful to be with you and to be talking about this, this important pillar, which is uh, hospitality. And I just want to tie it to the Bible before we move another step forward. And John 14, uh, 1 says, let your hearts not uh, be uh not let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and so uh, we are invited there as as uh, believers in Christ. That's where we're going to spend eternity, and uh, we're going to be guests of our Father's hospitality, and uh, and we are told to model it here on earth. So. Um, I love that. I love that. There's going to be a table at which we're all going to sit down together. Um, in the kingdom of God, that's another like clear hospitality nod in terms of an invitation to all arrive together um, at the Father's house at the end of this life. Talk with us about the power of hospitality in a world that is often very inhospitable. Well, it's, it's of course, modeling the hospitality of Christ. Now, hospitality isn't always easy. It isn't always convenient. It isn't always cheap. Um, and uh, we may not always be in the mood to be host to other people, um, but uh, we have a model. I, I can't think of a, a harder time to os- offer hospitality than the night before you're going to be tortured and put to death. And yet in, in the book of John, uh, Jesus uh, teaches over the table for five chapters and washes the disciples' feet. And that humility is something we're supposed to model. And uh, we uh, became Christians uh, 20 years ago, and about 16 years ago, we decided we should really take this seriously. And uh, pretty much every Friday night uh, since then, we have opened our house and had literally thousands of people around the table. And now we have a list of people wanting to come. That will take, you know, as always months in advance that we're trying to get people to the table. Um, and many people say it's it's one of their, their best memories. And so hospitality is not the same as entertaining. Hospitality is where uh, we um, make the guest feel at home. And the greatest guest that we invite always to that table is Christ. Uh, and and that's just a very powerful message of, of love and, uh, and of nourishment uh, not for our souls. I love, uh, I love this practice of your family, of including others um, for dinner every Friday at 6 p.m. Um, when we come back, uh, Matthew, I want, I want you to tell us what are a couple of the questions that you start that um, meal with? The, I know you ask particular questions to spark deeper conversation. Um, we are having a conversation today with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. He's one of our favorite conversation partners. We're in a series of conversations with him about the 10 pillars of our faith. Today, we arrive at pillar number five, practice hospitality. What does it look like to let Christ be made known among us in the breaking of the bread? We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Come to the table and taste of the glory and savor the sorrow. He's dying tomorrow. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is with us again today. You can find him and lots of resources at MatthewSleethMD.com. I'll put the link in the show notes today. We're talking with Matthew in our 10 Pillars of Our Faith series. Today, we arrive at pillar number five, practice hospitality. Um, talk with us uh, a little bit more about these this custom in your in your household of um, including others for dinner every Friday evening. Um, there are a couple of questions that you usually ask to, you know, be sure that it's not just, you know, conversations about, you know, hey, what's going on in your life, but really deep conversations. So how do you get that rolling? Well, we we begin with prayer and and sometimes, not every time, we begin with communion. And uh, we we begin with communion if everyone at the table is a believer. Uh, I wouldn't um, do that if there are you know, non-believers there. And so we begin in prayer. We invite the Lord uh, to join us. And we remember that at this time on Friday evenings throughout his life, Jesus was sitting down at a meal and, and blessing um, the, the candles, the wine and the bread. And, and so we're really kind of in sync with what he was our Lord was doing at that time, and we we tend to um, focus conversations on three things: um, what prayers have been answered uh, since we last saw each other, um, and then what the kind of highs and lows are. In other words, what can we praise the Lord for uh, doing in our lives, and then what do we need to turn over to the Lord and pray about? And that tends to keep us on conversations focused on spiritual matters and not devolve into who won what game and and whose car broke down and that that type of thing. Um, not I, not that your car breaking down is important. We turn that over to the Lord, of course, and the auto mechanic. But um, it's it's a conversation in which we're uh, always aware that the Lord is there with us. And it would be the kind of things we would be um, proud to stand up in church and say that this this is what we're discussing with our Lord. And so, really, we don't discuss politics all that much unless somebody's in a. Uh, we 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 have people in ministry that are in politics, and that would be fair game. But it's really a higher level than than just the busyness of life, uh, Carmen. Yeah, I think that's really helpful um, and really good. Can you, um, you alluded in earlier in the conversation that uh, to this, that there's a difference between entertaining and hospitality. I wanted to circle back around to that. Can you talk a little bit more about the difference between hospitality and entertaining? Yes. Uh, entertainment, I believe, is, is where the host uh, primarily wants to look good and be remembered. Um, and hospitality is is where people remember, oh, there was the love of God uh, present in this place. The Lord was present there. And um, I think entertainment doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the Lord. Um, not that there might not be times for entertainment, but around our table, it's hospitality. Uh, Lord is front and center and head of our table, uh, uh, so to speak. And um, and so it's it's not about what my wife cooked or how, you know, 
uh, we, we decorated. And, and as a matter of fact, there's many times where we are just, my wife and I are just letting people sit at the table and we're cleaning dishes and that sort of thing um, because there's a great conversation going on and, and people need to have uh, that. And so our my wife's and my job is really to serve uh, the people there and to steer things towards Christ. Yeah, set the table, uh, invite invite people to sit at the table, serve them, um, and and shepherd the conversation as necessary. Like that's you know, shepherd the people. It's it's a it's a ministry act. Hospitality is a ministry act um, that is not focused on uh, you and your wife, or you know, or whoever is the human host. It's focused. It's helping to focus everyone on Christ. Um, and allowing him to be made known in the midst of the breaking of the bread. It's just so good. Um, and, I'd love... Oh, go ahead. Oh, just one thing I was going to add. The other thing that we do, because there's uh, we're uh, you know older, and there's uh, often young people uh, at the table who have young children, and again, we try to uh, we try to take care of those kids. You know, moms need a break so they can talk about adult things <laughs> in particular. And uh, we've found that the younger couples with children really appreciate uh, the children being able to spend time with us and that we're kind of corralling the kids, if you will. I love that. I love that. Um, a couple of um, thoughts here about being a good guest. My mom always said, if you can't be anything else, be a good guest. So um, what would Dr. Matthew Sleeth uh, have to say about being a good guest? Um, arrive with flowers or a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna add I'm I'm gonna add in today's environment, like make your dietary concerns known well in advance. Yes, and if, if you have extreme dietary concerns, um just you know, show up with what you need, actually. Yeah. Um and uh because you know, it's it's not about the food. It's about the nourishment of fellowship and, and the Lord being there. And so um, uh, we, you know, we try to accommodate those things, um, but the focus isn't on what we're eating. It's on who's at the table with us, and that's the Lord. Okay. I'm going to give a couple of others. Um, RSVP, arrive on time, leave on time, help when needed, um, eat what is placed before you without complaint, do not dominate the conversation, prepare to be vulnerable and go deep, and say thank you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, and something not a started. Woman. <laughs> no, there's. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put that in. It's so good. It's so good. Something. Um, you you are aware of something that started yesterday. Um, and we want to fan the flame of it. So, um, I, what I what's am. going on? What's going on? Uh, yesterday uh, at Asbury University, the students were in chapel. I think that starts around 8, 8.30 in the morning, and they were in chapel. And uh, a friend of mine, Zach Mearcribs, was uh, preaching, and revival started. And uh, last night uh, at uh, 11 o'clock, I was hearing from people that that was still going on. The chapel was still full with uh, students and other People were beginning to come in, and I actually uh, texted Zach right when we were on the phone, and he says it's still happening. The last time a revival uh, started in 
at Asbury was in the 70s. It spread throughout the United States. All the major news networks came and covered it. I'm not sure they'd show up for it this time, but that doesn't matter. It's whether the Lord shows up. And we really need to be praying for those students and people there where the flame of the Holy Spirit apparently is just burning away. It was part of what ignited the Jesus Revolution, and I want to um, pray right now that God would fan the flame of it. We've been praying for revival. Maybe this is one of the places where God is sparking it in America right now. Holy God, send forth the power of your Spirit in fresh waves right now upon whatever it is that you're doing in the chapel at Asbury University. Holy God, we thank you for um, what people experienced there yesterday and last night and are continuing to experience this morning. Holy God, fan the flame. Ignite um, events like this across the country. Um, turn broken hearts toward you. Invite people to come home in Jesus. Um, let there be a, a, a Jesus revolution in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew, Amen. what great and good news. Will you keep us uh, keep us informed and let I, them know we're praying for them? Amen. Thank you. Will do. That's Dr. Matthew Sleeth. You can connect with him directly at MatthewSleethMD.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Uh, in some sectors, lots of attention turning to basketball. Uh, a really significant um, event in basketball took place. A particular record was broken. Uh, we got a big game coming up this weekend on what's known as the gridiron. We're going to talk with Jason Romano next from Sports Spectrum. But there's another, um, there's lots of other things happening in the news and in the world. And I don't want you to miss this. General Glenn uh, Van Herc is the head of North American Aerospace Defense Command. That is a big job. Um, NORAD, he's the NORAD commander. It is his responsibility to detect threats to North America. Like, that's his job. And so the whole spy balloon thing um, is, uh, should have been on his radar. Like, right, that's the, that's the whole idea here. Should have been on his radar. And, um, and it wasn't. Um, and so he's looking back over his shoulder about the times that we, that we collectively, we, the people missed these spy balloons during the Trump administration. He says those balloons, he's like, so every day as NORAD commander, it's my responsibility to detect threats to North America. This is what he told reporters at the Pentagon. He said, I'm going to tell you, we did not detect those threats. That's a domain awareness gap that we have to figure out. So while um, General Van Herc and the rest of the U.S. military is trying to figure out the domain awareness gap <clears throat> through which giant balloons have been passing, um, I want you and I to consider our own domain awareness gaps. Where are our blind spots in terms of those threats to our faith. Like, how are you detecting threats? What is your threat level awareness? Um, are you attuned to the fact that the enemy is prowling around the borders of your life right now looking for a way in? Are you ignoring giant balloons? 
Are they passing through your domain awareness net? Does it need to be strengthened? There you go. This is a little connection of a headline today with the spiritual life. Jason Romano is going to join us next. He's live in Tempe, Arizona, covering all things Super Bowl from the perspective of faith. Let's talk with him next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jason Romano is back from Sports Spectrum. Hello, Jason. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I'm great. Are you live from Tempe, Arizona? I'm live. I'm actually in Phoenix, just north of Phoenix, uh, in the Coronado District of Phoenix, Arizona, about one mile from downtown uh, Phoenix, where all the hub is happening here at the uh, Super Bowl. All right. So you have um, an exclusive interview that you're going to give us a sneak peek of today. You got yeah. to talk with uh, Brock Purdy. For people who are not who are not football people, who is Brock Purdy, and um, <laughs> and what are some things we need to know about him? Well, if you watch the San Francisco 49ers go on their incredible run all the way to the NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy was the last man standing in many instances as quarterback for San Francisco. He was what they call Mr. Irrelevant. So he was the last pick drafted in the NFL draft last year, the last one. And they, it's a terrible nickname for someone when you are the last pick. They call you Mr. Irrelevant, which is <sighs> sad. And usually that person does not get a chance to play in the NFL. It's just kind of a, uh, a moniker that you have to you know carry with you, I guess. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers quarterback started getting hurt, and Mr. Irrelevant goes in, and he keeps winning. He doesn't lose, and he's playing incredibly well. He's impressing. He's taking on the NFL world, really. And everybody's impressed with how poised this kid is and how, how really talented he is. And <laughs> what's funny is um, he goes all the way to the NFC Championship game, and they play the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. And then what happens? He gets hurt. He hurts his elbow. He gets sacked. And he actually tears his what's called a UCL. I guess it's an area inside your elbow. And now he's got to have surgery, and it didn't end. They had this Cinderella story that was going all the way to the end, and then all of a sudden he has an injury. So that's Brock Purdy, um, who is you know one of the most impressive young people I've ever talked to in sports, and uh, he's awesome. All right, um, so we're going to look forward to reading more about that tomorrow at Sport Spectrum. Um, read us in on the big game. Uh, the Chiefs are going to. Um, you know, take on the Eagles, or the Eagles are going to take on the Chiefs. You have <laughs> articles about both of them. Do you want yeah. to read us in? Why don't we read us in first on the Chiefs, and then when we come back, you can read us in um, on on what's happening on the Eagles team. Yeah, the Chiefs are an interesting team because they're they're in their third Super Bowl in four years, so they've clearly established themselves as maybe the best team in their conference, the AFC, over the past six years, and they have the best quarterback who's probably going to be the MVP this year in Patrick Mahomes. So it's really interesting to watch the, the dynamics of that team. But from a faith perspective, their owner, Clark Hunt, is a believer in Jesus, and he's unashamed about it. And we were excited because Monday night we got to spend time with the Chiefs and the Eagles, and I got to sit down and talk to Clark Hunt one-on-one for about three four minutes. And I was probably the only one there who asked him about his his faith and love for Jesus and 
you know, he kind of lit up, which I, which I love when we come down to the Super Bowl and get to talk to these guys because it's all football all the time in so many ways for them. But when somebody kind of comes in and says, wait a minute, I know the most important thing in your life is not football. Can we talk about that? Uh, they they kind of light up. And Clark was great. I mean, to think about a guy who's probably a millionaire, maybe even a billionaire for all I know, when you're an owner of a football team, but to have a grounded faith in Jesus is pretty cool. And he was unashamed about it. So we talked to Clark, and there's a number of players on their team who are believers in Christ, including, and some may be surprised about this, but including Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback, who talked openly about glorifying God and about playing for an audience of one this week. Uh, and I thought that was really impressive. And covering Patrick Mahomes, you know, the last four years or whatever, he didn't talk a lot about his faith. He did mention it a few times, but this week, it set, I sensed that he was more open about it, and he recognized that, you know, he's not here to just play football and make a lot of money and win games. Like, there was a sense of growth in him spiritually that I saw this year as compared to the last few years. I wonder, I'm just going to openly wonder here for a moment, if the yeah. uh, the injury to DeMar, ha- DeMar Hamlin and all of the attention turned in that direction related to faith and um, and prayer, I wonder if maybe that has liberated some guys to speak more freely than maybe they, maybe they felt constrained in the past, um, and maybe they just feel free to speak more more openly now. I don't know. I think so. I actually think that's a really good assumption because in talking to a lot of these guys, I felt like a lot of guys were way more open about saying Jesus as opposed to saying, uh, you know, the big man upstairs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I just sensed that too. I sensed, uh, I think, uh, around the NFL, not even just the Chiefs and the Eagles, but some of the other players and coaches. I mean, last night I was at, you know, this event called Huddle for Hope, and it was NFL players up on a panel talking about Jesus, and then church broke out, and there was worship, and there was people coming to the altar and getting saved. I mean, that's happening at the Super Bowl. It's pretty crazy to think about. So I think DeMar mm. Hamlin's injury, and I think a lot of things that were going on around the league as far as being open to prayer uh, has a lot to do with people being willing to talk a little bit more about their faith. We love that you bring us these stories. I definitely want um, to hear, uh, you know, your perspective on things related to the other side of the ball this week in terms of what's happening with those in the Eagles franchise. Um, and yeah. I want to also talk with you about um, your conversation, your podcast with Dan Orlovsky. Am I pronouncing yeah. that correctly? Orlovsky. Um, so Orlovsky. <laughs> Orlovsky. So let's yeah. do that one first. So, I mean, because yeah. he's really like, a, I mean, a person who's a lot like you. Um, he's a football analyst for ESPN now. Um, yep. People have probably seen him on NFL Live and as a commentator for um, for Monday Night Football. They also, you know, watched him when he was in uniform, for sure. Um, yes. You know, read us in a little bit. We're going to invite people to listen to the whole podcast at sportspectrum.com. But read us in a little bit um, on that conversation. Yeah, so Dan, uh, for those that don't know that name, Dan Orlovsky, he was not a big name as far as playing in the NFL. He was a backup. A lot of people had heard of him, but really didn't know a lot about him. And then he became an analyst at ESPN, and that immediately elevates your status and your platform because everybody watches ESPN if you're a sports fan. So Dan becomes this you know, fairly famous NFL guy, and all of a sudden the DeMar Hamlin situation happens, as you mentioned earlier, And Dan was the guy, and I know a lot of people know this, they might not know the name, but Dan was the guy who not only said thoughts and prayers, but he decided 
on national television on ESPN to pray for DeMar Hamlin. And a lot of people talk about we're sending our prayers. Very few people actually do it. Dan did it. And what I wanted to do was kind of go deep into a conversation with him on my podcast about what that was like, because it takes an open boldness, Carmen, to pray on a secular national ESPN show in the middle of your broadcast about, you know, football. And he did it. And he took mostly positive vibes away from people. Of course, there's people who, you know, who will push back a little bit, but Dan wrestled really hard with this decision as I think all of us would do when God is calling us and saying, Hey, I want you to do something here and it's going to be uncomfortable. And Dan recognized that moment, but he trusted in God and he prayed on national TV. And so we dive deep into that and just what it's like to be a believer in a place like ESPN and feel that calling. And what were the conversations he had with his producers? Think about that. You know, you're, you're on NFL Live and you call your producer and say, hey, I think I'm going to pray on the show today. What happens from that? So that was the conversation we had. And Dan is just a dynamite guy who really, really wants to be the best version of himself as a follower of Christ as he can. I love that. We're talking with Jason Romano. You can find um, the conversations uh, in their, like, full, robust form. So you can, the whole podcast um, between Jason and Dan at sportspectrum.com. I'm going to put all the links to everything Jason and I are talking about in the show notes for today. Um, and we're going to look forward to um, more on that huddle for hope um, uh, that took yeah. place last night. Like so much, so much great stuff. Tons of great feedback on the text line this morning. Barry says, I love hearing the encouraging faith journeys at the Super Bowl. Loving this segment. Um, more of it in just a moment. We're going to ask Jason Romano, hey, what's going on on the other side of the ball? We've talked about the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about, you know, what God's doing in the lives of the Eagles. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app at your app store today. So tempted to ask Jason Romano about the plans for covering pickleball, but right now (laughs) we're just going to remain focused on the Super Bowl. Uh, Jason is live in Arizona covering the Super Bowl on behalf of Sports Spectrum. If you're not already tuned in to SportsSpectrum.com, let me encourage you um, to make it one of your favorites. Um, talk with us about what's going on on the Eagles side of, um, of the ball in terms of faith stories that you're following. Yeah, there's a couple, Carmen. One is uh, the punter of all people, Brett Kern, who is with the Eagles right now. But he was a guy who played in the NFL for 15 years. And he was with the Tennessee Titans and kind of a staple there. He had been there pretty much all of his career. And then, you know, he's in his mid to late 30s. And as it happens with players, they kind of move on to the younger, cheaper version of what they used to have. And so Brett Kern was cut and did not know if he would have another opportunity to play in the league. And all of a sudden, the Eagles punter gets hurt midway through the year, and Brett is signed, and here he is in the Super Bowl. And so we had a chance to talk to him, and I just sensed really a cool moment of gratitude from him. And he even referenced the Brandon Lake song, which was pretty cool about the worship song that's out there. And he, he really is thankful. Like, to think about 15 years and never getting to the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden he thought he was done playing football, and then all of a sudden he's in the Super Bowl and he gets to play the biggest game of his life on Sunday. So that was one Another guy who really impressed me, I actually think he's the most impressive person I talked to all week, 
is their running back, Boston Scott, who is just a little short guy, about five foot six, five foot seven. He's a tank. He's built like a tank. Like arms and legs are just huge. And but we sat down and talked to him yesterday, actually, at the media availability. And my goodness, it was like asking one question, and Boston gave me a two to three minute soliloquy on his faith and growing in the Lord. And I was really, really impressed with talking to him. And it gave me some hope. Like the Eagles have uh, uh, probably a bad reputation as far as their fan goes, fans go, because they can be rough and tough. And I don't even have to go and use words that they can be, but I think you understand where I'm going there. But their players, even their head coach, their quarterback, their wide receivers, so many of them have openly spoken about the Lord this week. So it's been really cool to, to talk to them and hear some of the good things happening over in Philadelphia. Um, all right. The Philadelphia Eagles fans are sort of known to be um, <laughs> like poor sports. Hostile. Yeah. So hostile, right? Yeah, so I don't know. I just lift that up. Um, you got any other Eagles, uh, Eagles stories for us that we should be following? Yeah, I think, you know, the quarterbacks are an interesting one. You know, Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts, who's the quarterback of the Eagles, is a guy who's very kind of just quiet-spoken. You know, he leads mm-hmm. by example, um, very poised. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy around him when he was taken by Philadelphia a few years ago because they already had a quarterback. But this team sensed that Jalen Hurts was a guy who could come in and help them. And, geez, in two-plus years, he's got his team in the Super Bowl. But he's also talked a lot about um, his faith in God. And he referenced John thirteen seven quite a few times this week. It's his favorite Bible verse. It's the verse where Jesus is talking to the disciples and says, you may not know now what I'm doing, but soon you will. And he's kind of given them, the, the disciples are confused, like, what's happening here, Jesus? What are we doing? And he's like, you don't know now, but you will. And Jalen Hurts sensed that's kind of what his career has been like, because when he was drafted by the Eagles, it didn't make sense. And he felt mm-hmm. like God was saying, you know, hey, you know what? What's happening right now, it it may not make sense to you, but just trust me, you will soon. And, geez, he's in the Super Bowl now. So that's been a really cool story that's been buzzing around all all week here in Phoenix. Yeah, I love that. We'll um, we'll drop the link for that in there as well. How about Nick um, Soriani? Siriani? I don't know. You know me. I'm not good with the pronunciations. (laughs) All right. Yeah, all right. Coach, right? Yes, head coach Nick Siriani. So here's an interesting thing about Nick. I think if you watch him – throughout the year coach you know he's kind of this young guy who's very energetic and you know i like him i like him i'm just gonna just go get right out there i just like him he's tough as nails but he's also that guy that you want kind of in your corner right and he set this amazing culture within the team what we didn't know a lot about and i talked to the team chaplain of the eagles last week ted winsley and he said listen nick sirianni is spearheading and i say that word uh, because that's the word he used, spearheading team coaches' Bible studies all year long. And I said, what? He's like, yeah, this guy is not only the head coach of the Eagles, but he's making Bible studies among his coaches. Obviously, you don't force anything on anybody, but he's making them available, and he's the one that's going to these. And I'm sure his assistant coaches are like, oh, if the head coach is going to Bible studies, maybe, maybe I should probably follow suit if I want to keep my job. So I'm not saying that that's happening. I do know what's happening, though, is Nick Sirianni is a big part of those coaches' Bible studies. And a lot of people would never know that unless, you know, the team chaplain shared that information with us. So I think as you're watching the head coach, and yes, they get caught up in the craziness of a football game, you know, know that there's still a priority within that team spiritually to grow and to get closer to God. 
Okay, um, Jason, once the Super Bowl is over, I know that you don't have anything to do. So um, I want you're going to be bored. So you you need to go find a guy named Scott Moore, because this would be a good time to go to Florida anyway. He's apparently um, like this driven competitor in all kinds of racket sports. And now and now mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. a Jesus Christ guy on the pickleball court. Wow. Okay. I feel like I feel like I feel like pickleball might be, you know, an emerging opportunity for sports spectrum. Okay, they're saying it's the fastest growing sport in America. There's tons of professional athletes that are getting behind I know. these pickleball leagues. So I, I guess we got to do some research once we get back. Once we get back from the Super Bowl, I think we can <laughs> we can take a look at that for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I want to just continue, like you know, creating opportunities. We love you. We love what you're doing. We're so supportive. Thank you so much for sharing so many um, important faith stories with us from across the sports spectrum this week from the Super Bowl. Um, All right. So continue doing the good work. That's Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum. I'm going to drop all the links in the show notes today, or you can just go directly to sportsspectrum.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Christine says, I love pickleball and I love Jesus. Jesus and pickleball got me through the pandemic. See what we've started here? See what we started here, Paul? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Fanning fanning the flame. Fanning the Faith flame. Faith Radio Pickleball League is coming. I, no. <laughs> it's totally possible. It's totally possible. Um, all right. So um, thank you so much for this time together today. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, with the stories that Jason is sharing with us, um, you know, from the the world of sports and the way that people are feeling more free to express not just their faith, but expressly their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and exalting him quite publicly. Um, the testimony last night at the Huddle for Hope where church broke out and people were getting saved at the Super Bowl and the testimony of Matthew Sleeth about what's happening at Asbury um, University right now, like a revival that broke out yesterday in chapel and is continuing on some 24 hours later. Um, The Jesus Revolution movie. I don't know. You know, um, God is up to something. We've been praying for revival. Let's be fanning the flame of it. And then I'm also going to 100% recognize that if revival is breaking out, the enemy is going to be hot, hot and nasty and looking for ways to bring us down and um, trip us up and attack us from every side. Because what the enemy really does not want is for Jesus Christ to be exalted, um, his name heard, um, and for people to turn to him from despair to life. Like, And so um, let's be ardently praying today. If you haven't been on your knees Let's get there today. Let's be in a posture of prayer, fanning the flame of revival. Let's be announcing that um, we see it, we feel it, and we want more of it. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.